Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Podcast Series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development. And each Friday, we're inviting our listeners to take 10 and tune in to QPod to get the latest economic update and insights from our in-house economics team. Today, I'm pleased to welcome our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, who is going to bring us up to date on the major themes in our local and global economy against the evolving backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, Craig. Right, the countdown is on, mate, and we have a lot of ground to cover, so let's get into it. I wanted to start with yesterday's interview of Dr. Ross Garneau, one of Australia's eminent economists, and he sent up the warning flare that there is now no chance of Australia avoiding a deep recession, but then he softened the statement somewhat by saying that as a nation, we can work to ensure the recession is as shallow and as short as possible. Matthew, with Dr. Garneau's comments in mind, how do you see the new economic normal going forward for Australia? Well, um, that Australia cannot avoid a deep and uh, sharp recession, I think is obvious and has been our view since early March. I also agree that Australia can emerge from the shock, but unlike Dr. Garner, I, I think Australia is in better shape than many of our developed peers, uh, particularly compared to the US and Europe. The government, the RBA, has, has acted very swiftly to mitigate the extent of the shock, both in terms of fiscal and monetary policy responses, and the Australian population uh, has responded very well in terms of our willingness to accept and respect uh, the lockdown. So now with daily infection rates uh, amongst the lowest in the world, combined with our capacity for testing and contact tracing, we're in an extremely favourable position to gradually reopen the economy without inducing a second wave of infection. Of course, the, the progress will be gradual and it'll be limited by you know, social distancing requirements, reductions in international demand for tourism and educational services, and also a drop in population growth as our immigration program uh, remains suspended. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm confident progress can be made. In this period of recovery, though, it's, it's important that the government takes a flexible approach to fiscal policy until the threat of COVID passes. Uh, they need to remain willing to support households, particularly in the event that uh, recovery stalls. We also need to seize the opportunity that we have now to initiate reforms to our tax structure, to workplace relations, and also to our federal tax, um, federal state tax and revenue uh, structures. And we need to do that to improve our, our international competitiveness so that our, our particularly our non-commodity export industries, such as tourism and educational services, can recapture that very strong pre-COVID growth um, that they were generating prior to when international borders were closed. Yeah, I want to pick up one of the comments you just made at the start there, which was Australia is going okay relative to our developed peers, because Garno in his uh, interview went on to say that given that we're a small but open economy, we had possibly more to lose from these China tensions. And of course, last week, Matthew, we saw barley tariffs rise 80%, uh, beef hit heavily by China banning four of our major abattoirs. And now this week, we've had new iron ore inspections, which possibly could favour Brazil. And most recently, in the last couple of days, the Chinese companies now being encouraged by the government to avoid Australian coal. There seems to be a rising trade tension targeting our top tier sectors. Is this simply political positioning? And does China remain a source of economic recovery for Australia, Matthew? Well, clearly the uh, political tensions are, are a concern and, and China can target 
uh, the uh, our uh, bulk commodity exports, which are very important to uh, the Australian economy. But just like the rest of us, China needs to reboot its economy. And as a result, their demand for coal, iron ore and gas um, has been strong and continue to be strong. In fact, um, March saw a substantial lift in our exports of iron ore, LNG and coal, with coal exports up over 100% over the year. And even as tensions between our government and China have escalated, the, the lack of alternatives to Australian supply of those bulk commodities has meant that tr China trade sanctions have really largely targeted our more minor exports, as you pointed out, barley and, and beef. And they've been very reluctant to apply those same type of quantitative uh, restrictions on, on our bulk commodity uh, exports. Uh, nonetheless, I think that now is the time for us to commence to normalise our relations with, with China. We don't really, it's not really within our interest to escalate um, the, uh, the, the, the political tensions with China at the moment. And I think that's especially um, possible now, given China's support of the WHA's inquiry into the causes of the virus spread. So, but leaving aside our bulk commodity exports, it's clear that the Australian economy uh, can, re the recovery in the Australian economy over the coming year will be driven largely by a return to trading of our domestic consumer-oriented services sectors, those same sectors that bore the brunt of the lockdown. And as I said, we're really well positioned for recovery compared to many of our peers uh, due to our low risk of second wave infection. However, following that initial recovery, the Australian economy will face a series of headwinds, including uh, lower levels of international travel and tourism, uh, higher levels of private and public sector debt, and a more competitive uh, external environment. So in that world, what we really need to concentrate on is tax and work practice reforms, which are gonna be so important to uh, maintaining out the competitive um, the competitiveness in international markets of those non-bulk commodity exports. Um, and in order to continue to attract international capital, it'll also require households, governments and businesses to check the rise in indebtedness to ensure we maintain financial stability and, and you know, continue to keep uh, investor confidence in our economy. And finally, it'll require a willingness on behalf of investors to take informed risks, support innovation and productivity and to enhance or to fund in productivity enhancing infrastructure. Thanks, Matthew. Um, I want to turn the conversation quickly now to our institutional investors. Um, this week, we've seen the uh, the equity markets pretty much across the board up for the week, the S&P up around 3%. And of course, we've got cash rates at historic lows. And we've just been discussing, you know, the sort of the, the precarious state of the economy with regards to how deep the recession might be and how we're going to uh, evolve from that. How would you describe the top three things that Australian investors should be focused on right now, Matthew? Well, look, um, prudence and humility are fundamental characteristics of good investors, um, but excessive conservatism and a lack of risk-taking uh, equally are not um, characteristics of good investors. And I think the ability to uh, take risk uh, will be particularly important as the world enters a period of of the lowest interest rates that we uh, have in history. 
um, and that period we expect will extend for the better part of this decade. How you take risk is going to be very important, and you talked about the uh, the rapid uh, rise in in the equity market, and and one of the things I would I would point out is that um, assets uh, that are on the right side of the COVID shock uh, will quickly form sellers' markets, uh, but excess returns in those uh, markets will rapidly evaporate. Uh, in contrast, assets on the wrong side of the shock quickly develop into buyers' markets, and the potential for ex excess returns emerge in that space, um, and they can be a little bit more enduring. So, in in this area, investors have time to be able to separate out the wheat from the chaff, uh, and and they can spend time engaging in in managers uh, of those assets, uh, the active managers. They can poke and prod the investment theses of those managers and, and really set themselves up to uh, take calculated risk with the uh, with a strong potential uh, for upside. And finally, I'd say uh, to investors, you need to reward innovation. But with all sort of innovative um, investment uh, propositions as an element of uncertainty and the way the best way to mitigate that uncertainty is by diversifying uh, that risk across uh, different uh, investment themes. Thanks, Matthew, for condensing a highly complex world into a very short 10-minute snapshot. For more insights from our economics team, please go to our website, qic.com, or the QIC LinkedIn site, where each Friday afternoon, their weekly economic brief is released. Thank you for listening. Please watch out for our next podcast available under QPod on Apple Podcast. And with the easing restrictions across the country, please have a great, more social weekend.